Greetings, programs, and welcome to the Awesome Friday Podcast. I am your host. My name is Matthew, and joining me today is Simon. <laughs> just, for, just for a nice change. Yeah, <laughs> I like how you're like, joining me today is Simon. It's like, oh, thanks. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah. Um, joining yeah, me today I- for a nice change of pace. We're doing exactly the same thing that we always do. You're stuck with us again. Sorry. Yeah. It's not Rachel. It's me. Um, hello. How wonderful of you to join us once more for our podcast. Indeed. It's very nice to have you come in, settle down. I've just made tea. I've just brewed a Lapsang Saochong that's uh, taken off the local tea places menu because no one could drink it. Uh, That's my my favorite tea. So uh, It's actually the least shocking thing you've said all day. (laughs) Uh, And for contrast, I'm drinking uh, cranberry juice out of a Cineplex uh, cup. Collectible collectible No Way way Home Cineplex cup. Wow. Super so, on brand for both of us. <laughs> super on brand for both of us. Um, just before we get going properly, uh, just so everyone knows, we did also just finish recording this week's bonus episode in which we asked each other questions. Simon asking about what's the most important movie decade and me asking about filmmakers we get excited to see adaptations of existing material from. I thought it was an interesting conversation. And I hope you do too. You can join our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash Simpson for as little as $2 Canadian uh, a month. I know, right? That's like, surely, it's like, surely can't it's, be so cheap. It's like 78 cents American at this point. Um, or perhaps 30 pence. Uh, uh, 25. <laughs> whatever the decimalized version of a euro is, it's like 23. Um uh-huh. Uh, or something like that. It's super cheap, is all I'm trying to say, and you get to hear us talk more. So if you're into that kind of thing, yeah. great. Um, and, you know, if uh, if you like the show, check out the site, click on some links, and uh, help us keep the lights on. We very much appreciate that. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about two movies, but before that, um, what uh, what else have you been watching this week, Simon? That you're that you're allowed so... to talk about because I have been watching several things that I'm not allowed to talk about yet, which is yeah, the whole thing. Well, um, I am I now up to date. That was my AI buddies is is uh, giving me some shape there. Yeah, that was my, my uh, that was my watch chiming in because uh, it thought it heard its name. I do enjoy how your watch sounds like a classic English butler from an Agatha Christie movie. I don't know um, what it is, but I don't like the default Siri voice. I don't, and the only other one that I that I do like is the like the, the British man. It's right. weird. The Australian, there's an Australian Marvel coded. There's a female Australian voice that's actually pretty good as well. But uh, can't take the, that seriously. Uh, like, can't take the Australian accent seriously. Though, can you? I don't know. I think it does a pretty good job of the Australian uptick, which is how Australian accents can deliver any news and make it sound great. Yeah, exactly. That's why you can't take it seriously. Yeah. They could say like the worst thing in an Australian yeah. accent. It's still funny. Yeah. We made you what appointment. Else have I been... We made you appointment yeah. for tomorrow oh. for chemotherapy. And uh... Oh. <laughs> uh, morning, Matthew. This is your morning alarm. Uh, time to wake up, you bastard. Yeah. Um. So those are our terrible Australian accents. Uh, what have I been watching? I'm up to date with Ahsoka and uh, Color Me Shocked. It's fantastic. Uh, really, really good. Apart from. One late decision in episode four that I am just scratching my head over because it is terrible, but we don't need to talk about that. But by and large, it's it's like it's so good. I feel like uh, it's also um, 
The choice and you're all, talking about is is not surprising. Like it's yeah, it's not surprising at you, all. No, if you think if you, you think about you the things that Star Wars has done, it's maybe the least yeah. surprising thing in the episode. It's it's completely on brand. But the Andor was amazing as this political drama, but it it wasn't really the fantastical side of Star Wars. This feels like a template for what Star Wars is true, not true, but classic sort of high fantasy style Star Wars could be in the future. And, and Dave Filoni, suddenly um, I'm filled with optimism about Dave Filoni's future Star Wars movie because he's not directing all of these, but he's he's like, I guess you can call him the showrunner. He's the guy. He wrote and, literally uh, all of them as well. Right. And, and, and I don't want to put... I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but he also wrote all of them without John Favreau. Yeah, and Robert Rodriguez. Um, with this does circle back to what we were talking about. I love Robert Rodriguez, but when we were watching Mandalorian, I kind of mentioned maybe he and Favreau aren't the best people to be approaching this material um, because Filoni has basically made Rebels. What would it be, season four? Season five. season five season five it's effectively rebel season five and it is brilliant it's yeah. so good it's um, also i think it one thing that he's done really well and i think we talked about this before um but the way he approaches star wars is does one thing i don't like which is he does he does connect back to a lot of the existing lore, but he uses it as a stepping stone to build new stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas I do feel like the Mandalorian uses it as a, cr- a crutch to make their shit work. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I think that I saw a clip I was watching. We watched a documentary a couple weeks ago called the disturbance in the force. And there's a clip in that show of John Favreau speaking to George Lucas and talking about how the Mandalorian's rifle is the same rifle, like they designed it based on the um, the rifle that Boba Fett had in an animated segment of the Star Wars Holiday mm. Special in like 19 whatever it was. His first appearance. And I feel like that, like it's the Mandalorian, a lot of a lot of Star Wars is just that. It's like look mm-hmm. at the thing we look at the thing we dra- we dragged we drug dragged up and and look at it in reverence mm. and look at the deep cuts we made. And and it doesn't work for me mm-hmm. because it feels like in the same. And I think another great example of this is the more recent Ghostbusters movie, um, Afterlife. <laughs> yeah. They are someone called someone else I follow on Twitter called them. Look at that thing, cinema. I recognize <laughs> I, rec- I recognize that thing from the other thing, cinema. And what's interesting, and I know we make this comparison a lot, is that Star Trek is doing this as well. But it comes from a place of such utter like love, and especially mm-hmm. in in lower decks, um, where there's like a million deep cuts every ten seconds. Um, but they're doing it from such a, a place of love, and they're using it to like make a joke or tell a new story or something. And I feel like shows like The Mandalorian stuff, like what Favreau has done for better or for worse, is make the universe smaller, whereas. Uh, Ahsoka and Rebels, and also the new Star Trek, use use these references to try and make the universe mm. bigger. Yeah, Star Trek does a really good job of using its uh, past as story points. I feel like they, they weave them into something meaningful. Um, and I that's often completely lacking from the touch points in Mandalorian. But I yeah. do think this is, a fa- this is a Favreau approach to it. And it's kind of nice 
uh, to see Filoni by himself not falling into that trap. Because I yeah. didn't know, I didn't know during the Mandalorian with the three of them, I I was kind of confused because um, Rebels was so good and then Mandalorian was so bad, and I was confused how Filoni can have different outputs with the same sort of core material. But it turns out, I think it was uh, not him that was the bad part. So hopefully, this is a standard. Ahsoka is a really good template for where this could go now, and like good Star Wars could go from now. And even just, like, if you're up to date on episode four, like, they're literally leaving the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Like, they're literally, not Mm -hmm. just, like, figuratively, figuratively, but, like, literally Mm -hmm. expanding the universe Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that I appreciate. Yeah. And and also, poor, poor, I am so sad that Ray Stevenson has passed on. I've always loved him, but he is, like, so fucking good good in this show. I really like how his character is written, and I really like how he's portraying that character. It's really, really interesting. The, the Jedi losing faith, or, or anyone sort of losing faith in their own religion and turning a corner, is a really interesting point. And one of the characters in Rogue One, like the, the big guy with the guns, I always found it fascinating that he was a Jedi who just stopped believing in it and just started becoming this like gun-heavy mercenary. So chaotic good. And Ray Stevenson's on a similar kind of spectrum, except he his faith destroyed him and he decided to be a mercenary but but for like bad people and he's doing a really really good job of not overplaying it and actually he shows us tons of um, vulnerability as well which is a really interesting thing to show for someone who is coded as like one of the main villains and uh, I think a, it's working a, really really well there's a great moment in the most recent episode where he's going to face off against Ahsoka with a lightsaber and he legitimately looks afraid and mm. I thought that was a really interesting choice too, and one that makes sense because, like, he left the Jedi. His character has, you know, left the Jedi Order when he was very young, and so did Ahsoka. Mm. But Ahsoka was like trained by Anakin Skywalker and a member of the Rebel Alliance, and like all of this other stuff. Like, she's a at this point, she's she's a legendary character, and I think, I think any bad guy that showed up and was like, "I'm not afraid of Ahsoka," would is like just an idiot, mm. right? <laughs> you know, or a. Or the more common Star Wars trap, which is to say they're going to they're going to die because of their own hubris. Um, and it's he's kind of got elements of what I really liked about Kylo Ren, which is the truth, which is like the thing where he's he'll say something that is like you've been afraid. Like he calls out the failure of the Jedi and and how restrictive it is and how much it's hurt people and how it needs to be let go. And it's hard to disagree with that even yeah. though he's meant to be someone fighting the hero and i and it's it's being handled really really well yeah it's I, like I that, really that like moment it. that moment at the end of the episode two i think it is when he's mm. like you know ahsoka is one of the last jedi it would be a shame to kill her and someone's like do i detect fear in your voice and he says no just truth like it would be a shame mm. it would be a shame to kill her she's one of the last ones like it's a, it's a really interesting way to write it and to play it, and I very much appreciate it. And there's a great moment in 4 as well, his line, where um, oh, they're, they're sending people to, to go and kill. They found them somewhere, and they're sending people. And uh, he says something, and the witch is like, are you, do you doubt? And no, he's like, do you doubt their capabilities? And he's like, no, I've just got too much experience of them. Or, like, he knows, he knows that the Jedis won't go down that easily. It's really well done. Yeah. He is he's fantastic and I, I don't really know if I've seen him in much else, but he's brilliant in this. 
What I mean, you, you definitely have seen yeah. him and stuff because he's been working for a long, long time. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's in the Marvel movies. Like, he's in the MCU, so you've definitely seen him. Who is he? Uh, he's, also, he's also the evil governor in RRR. Um, uh, what else? Yeah, in the Marvel movies, he's one of the Asgardians, one of the Warriors 3. Um, mm. What else? I think RRR would be the most recent thing you would have seen him in, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, as the, like, over-the-top governor of in- British governor of India. <laughs> it's just, just ridiculous. If you have yeah. children that haven't watched the Divergent series yet, like, you're about to see him a bunch when they eventually do. Um, he's in one of the G.I. Joe movies, I think. Um, yeah, he's been he's been in a lot, is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. And uh, and just let me reiterate for probably the bazillionth time, um, if you haven't seen it, you should go watch uh, HBO's Rome because he's fantastic yes. in that. Yes. Apparently, I haven't seen it, but apparently he was in the recent Das Boot TV show remake. I'm curious to watch that. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. What? There's a. I think it was. I think it was produced by German TV. It was on CBC here in Canada. What? Um, I think it's like Sky One or something. One of the big like European brands made a made a remake, an eight episode remake of Das Boot. Oh shit! Uh, in fact, I think it's even more. I think it's like th- a couple of seasons worth. Oh man! In in our bonus episode, we talked about how the end of the uh, the conversation like changed me as a film watcher. The end of Das Boot. <laughs> absolutely can go on that list as well mm-hmm. yeah apparently Sorry. i'm just i just googled it and yeah, it's it's like 26 episodes and it's based on the original it's not an, an adaptation of the film it's an adaptation of mm. the original book and that book's sequel um and uh I, I haven't seen it but it's supposed to be good mm-hmm. you know that's uh it's a whole whole thing yeah yeah. What have you been watching that you can talk about? Like, what what's your what's your Sunday go to HBO shows with your wife now? What's your Sunday night TV? We haven't been watching the HBO stuff the last little while, mostly because um, there's some stuff that I I like that she does not. Um, she's not really into Winning Time, which so I'll go back and watch it when it's all out at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I have mostly been watching interestingly uh last night's a great example of this i couldn't sleep last night so i watched four episodes of star trek the next generation from 11 p.m to 3 a.m and uh that's that's healthy i mean it's just a thing i i I don't know if you're aware of this but i am a big fan of star trek star trek i know right not heard you not heard you mention that um so and i've actually i haven't I haven't watched a lot of Next Generation actually very recently, um, mm-hmm. so I have been like, no, I've been watching in order. I I watched like four episodes of season six, like back to back to back last night, just because. So like I watched okay. uh, I watched the one where the two parter where Picard gets uh, held hostage by the uh, Cardassians, and I watched this the the Moriarty sequel episode, which is uh, I I really like. I, Moriarty's a character in Star Trek in Next Gen where I, he's one of the ones where I wish he'd like also shown up 
in like D Space Nine, or maybe he could show up like now in Discovery. Mm-hmm. Someone could like discover the file and he could come back. Because um, I think he's a really fun character. Uh, what's the um? What's the best episode of Star Trek in any form? One episode. Oh, that's an impossible question. That's well, gonna... <laughs> so no. Uh, I mean, so I, I've thought about this before, and I thought about actually rewatching all of it because there there are some classic episodes in all of the franchises. I think it's. Uh, I mean, in the original series, for me, it's an episode called Balance of Terror, which is the first time we ever see the Romulans, and it's basically a submarine mm, battle the whole time. That's really good. That's a really good episode. Uh, in Next Gen, it's prob- it's probably the Inner Light, uh, which is an episode where it starts out with them finding a probe, and the probe like zaps Picard, and he lives a whole other life on this uh, in this other society, and uh, like has a family and it turns out that the probe is a time capsule it gives him all this experience so he can remember these people who are now extinct it's, it's a mm-hmm. beautiful heartbreaking episode of television i mean for deep space nine it's uh, certainly it's in the pale moonlight which is the episode that like really if you're going to point at deep space nine about the how it's a lot more about shades of gray than black and white like other star trek is this is the episode where mm-hmm. cisco is narrating his personal log about how he basically went against his own principles um, and he can live with that fact to uh, to bring the Romulans into the Dominion War. Um, it's a masterclass of performance by Avery Brooks, and it's it's probably the most Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine episode. It is, uh, it's by far the best episode of that show. Um, you know, Voyager. I'm not. I've never been a huge, huge fan of Voyager, so I couldn't tell you what my favorite episode of that show is off the top of my head. Um. I like the concept of Voyager. I really like, like I, so Voyager's a long way away and trying to get home. That's just a really good idea. Yeah, so Voyager, I, was, I wasn't I was a huge fan of it at the time, but I've been meaning to revisit it because I do recognize that it does have a lot of great stuff. It's sort of, for me at the time, I remember thinking that it kind of abandoned its, its concept pretty early on um, mm-hmm. in that like they had limited resources and then by like season three, they just they just don't have that problem anymore. Um, what else? I mean, every episode of Lower Decks is great. Um, wow, yeah. Are you going to choose one episode? Like, because you're, you're dancing around no, this. Like, I'm choosing like one gonna... episode per series. I'm not. I no, it's not what I. That's not what I asked though. You got to. Yeah, the problem. The problem with Star Trek, as opposed to Star Wars, <laughs> is that it is not one thing, right? So there's no. Yeah, I, I understand absolutely. So what's your episode? Uh, I mean, it's probably in the pale moonlight. It's it's got to be in the pale. Oh, uh, interesting. I, I actually haven't seen. That's one of the few I haven't seen that you talked about. I did not get on with Deep Space Nine, but that was a long time ago. I don't think I've watched it in decades in any form. I've just uh, got cable TV, and there's one channel that shows a lot of Star Trek on repeat, so I'm sure it'll pop up at some point. Yeah, it's all it's all just been moved too. It's not on. Uh, some of it's still on Netflix, but none of it's on Crave anymore. It's all mm. on Paramount Plus. So oh, that's fun. another another subscription I've had to pick up, which is frustrating. Oh, but... Fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of good episodes of mm-hmm. all of them. Enterprise would be an interesting one to talk about because I think the best episodes are almost certainly in seasons three or four. Um, mm-hmm. 
season three had one big long through through arc, which it was good. And season four was made up of like three to four episode like mini arcs. So one of those like arcs is probably the best thing they did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I could I can think about this all day. Um, mm-hmm. There's an episode of the anime '70s animated series where young where Spock has to go back and make sure his younger self makes a choice. That's a great episode. It's a great timey timey wimey episode. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, uh, and like I say, I think. I think every episode of Lower Decks is fantastic. They're all, for the same reason, they're all... That show is so funny and makes so much fun of Star Trek, but from a place of pure love, and I adore mm-hmm. it for that. Yes, it is really, really good. In fact, Even the, when I don't uh, get 90% of the references, it's very good. The most recent two episodes that just premiered of season four, the first two episodes, sees the main characters all get promoted by it to Lieutenant JG, and it's like everything about those episodes... Uh, the way that handles those promotions, including a line from one of the characters being like, wait, you can just ask for things you deserve and you'll get them. And his commanding officer being like, I guess so. (laughs) 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 Like it's so wonderful and heartfelt and I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So should we talk about our movies? I've been thinking about this lately because I've been thinking about starting like another blog. It's just Star Trek. And I haven't, I haven't done it yet, but uh, that's an epic undertaking for you. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you about it later because it's, it's, it's a whole, okay. it's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, deal. Yeah. Um, but we should probably talk about the things we came here to talk about. Um, so let's, let's do that. We're going to talk about two films today. One is going to be another summer catch up like we did last week. Uh, and then we're going to talk about a new film that played at the Venice Film Festival and will be mm-hmm. debuting on Netflix, uh, in a week. Um, so let's talk about the old one, the quote, the old one first. Mm-hmm. Um, so Simon, why don't you take us yes. through the basic plot? Because I know you loved this movie. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I'm going to hide how much I love this movie. Yeah. So take us through the basic plot of the Meg Two: the trench. So... <laughs> Uh, in the Meg One, if you haven't seen it, the world's greatest actor Jason Statham uh, fights and punches a giant shark into submission, and um, he uh, he saves a bunch of people, uh, but not before the uh, honourable uh, Chinese actor dies an honourable death, saving everyone. Um, in the Meg Two, <laughs> it, it will shock you to learn that there's another Meg, but. Uh, it's actually, uh, we join the movie where Jonas has become something of an eco-warrior where he's like boarding ships that are throwing radioactive waste into the ocean and fighting them all, being like a one-man James Bond super super fighter and getting rescued and planes scooping him up out of the ocean. And and um, uh, the, the, the whole like next chunk of the movie has really nothing to do with sharks whatsoever. They, they develop this technology that lets them dive down and the whole concept is that under the ocean is like a thermal layer and beneath the thermal layer is like more ocean <laughs> oh yeah what i mean the, do, what you've got to do basic, when you watch it yeah the basic premise what, what, of the meg of the meg one is that there is an yeah. ocean underneath under the, the ocean, ocean. <laughs> and in that ocean are like big sharks because they never evolved. they couldn't like cross the thermosphere or something so they just grew bigger there's more oxygen or something this is not a movie for you to think about science at any point 
do not think about the science of what's being proposed to you, especially one point. <laughs> but the um, they basically they they develop tank uh, like subs and mechs to go through the thermal layer because they want to like research it. And it turns out like they want to research the meg behavior, which is uh, they're trying to learn more about. And um, then of course uh, this being a giant shark movie, there's an evil conglomerate. Uh, in this case, a mining company who are doing bad things. And so it's the good eco-warriors versus the bad um, capitalists with um, not just giant sharks, but a whole menagerie of giant creatures. This is basically uh, Jules Verne, uh, before writing 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, watched Die Hard and Jurassic Park and went, holy shit, that stuff, that stuff is awesome. I'm going to incorporate that into 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So... Um, it, this is this is like my favorite kind of sequel, where it's clearly uh, foreign money. So the it's really interesting when the money is foreign. The foreigners are treated much better in English speaking movies than when it's Western money. Uh, it is a swing for the hills sequel. It is a uh, a twenty thousand leagues under the sea movie. It's not a giant shark movie, which is going to determine how you feel about this film. I know. Um, but then you've got this, like, uh, this, the middle of this movie is kind of diehard on an oil rig. And then the last third of this movie is giant shark palooza, absolute lunacy with Jason Straton keeping a straight face at all times. When I tell you I love this film, I want you to understand that I mean it like when I say I love my children. That this is a, <laughs> this is a... I understand this is not a good movie. This is a great movie. This <laughs> <laughs> is the the gr- like pure escapism. I had a, the biggest smile on my face as it referenced one after another of my favorite 80s movies and just swished them all together and pretended it was fine. There's one point that is so mind-bogglingly stupid the way that he saves them. It, it sort of it goes round stupid and comes back to being genius until you're not sure what's true and what's un, like real anymore. Like you're through the looking glass, you're in the matrix. This is Jason Statham free diving at twenty five thousand feet and uh, and and uh, uh, jousting with Megs on jet skis and then fighting them in mech suits. This is everything I want from a giant monster movie. And trust me, I haven't spoiled a thing. I have not spoiled a moment of this movie because the facts don't matter. It's just everything that's put in front of your eyeballs. Get drunk, me, get popcorn, watch this movie. Now, I understand just, you didn't like it quite as much. Let me just say that I love this for you. <laughs> because it's not a good movie. It's ter- it's not a good movie. But it's, it's not even but it's, it's not a great even, movie. It's not even so bad that it's good. No, like, it, but it's not trying we, to be. It's, yeah. It's here's the thing. If you're gonna sell me a movie that has <laughs> giant sharks, what I would like to see in that movie is mm-hmm. giant sharks. There are and, some. There's a few. Uh, no, man. Like, let me get. So this movie is two hours long, which for this kind of movie, just for the record, is approximately 30, 30, 32 minute, thirty minutes long, longer than it needs to be. <laughs> but also. The first three quarters of it are undersea resource extraction conspiracy plot, and the last 30 minutes <laughs> is everything Simon is saying. You've missed Die Hard in the middle. 
like, like, the, like the the last thirty minutes of this movie are everything I wanted the Meg two to be. The first ninety minutes of this movie are a really <laughs> bad version of like undersea resource extraction conspiracy theory. Um, and like I get that it's 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 a hard place for them to be in because I know that like the Meg one is basically Jaws, but it's fucking huge. Um, <laughs> Really and they can't, and you can't just do that again, right? And you, and they can't mm. just like do like Deep Blue Sea, but it's actually they could just do Deep Blue Sea, but it's fucking huge. Mm-hmm. That would have been incredible. And honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, there's a moment at the start of this film where they could have just done that. They could have just veered mm-hmm. that way, and I think I would have liked yep. it more. But like, this is a movie that shows you a glimpse of a giant octopus in the first 20 minutes, and you don't see it again until the last 20 minutes. It's so frustrating, and it's just so like the last the last 30 minutes. I would argue if you want to watch this movie, just skip forward to the last <gasps> 35 no, minutes no, 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 because no. they'll give you just enough context to understand the last 30 oh. because the first 90 minutes of this movie are boring as fuck. And, oh. that's, and that's honestly, okay, no. All right. honestly no. where no, 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 my no. problem with this movie, it's so boring. There's nothing interesting happening. It's not, it's not boring, but I think a lot of it is about expectations. And I grant you, this movie is named after a giant shark. It's a sequel to a giant shark attack. And the giant shark really plays very little part in the first two-thirds of this movie. But there's you, one... you're, you're saying that like there's other giant animals, and there are, but again, they don't well, show up in a meaningful way until the last 30 it's... minutes. Like nothing, and, and even, This movie even... just does not work on the level that it needs to work on based on what it's trying to be. This this and... movie, the, instead of being the giant shark being the threat, they saw Jurassic Park and went, what if we had, like, you know, velociraptors, but swimming? <laughs> like, under, what, what if we had a velociraptor attack, but, like, under the water? That worked really well in Jurassic Park. The whole movie is like that. It's like Ben, ben Wheatley, who I can't... And like you sh- yeah, the shock when I saw directed by Ben Wheatley, I'm like, he's just gone, yeah, we'll take we'll take this bit. They'll get attacked by like these kind of devolved crocodile things. Ah, it doesn't matter. Like, there's, You're right. If you're expecting this to be a giant shark movie, uh, and it, it's going to bother <laughs> you if it's, if it's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea meets Jurassic Park, bothers you then you're not going to get on with this film. Yeah, but again, However... but again, if it was if it was a good version, if it was an even passable version of that, <laughs> if it was not fucking boring, like the first shot, it wasn't the boring. first the first shot of the movie is the first scene of the movie is legitimately incredible, and then there's ninety odd minutes of boring, <laughs> and then there's thirty minutes of bonkers giant animal mayhem at a at a Chinese play uh like resort called fun island which is a resort which is a resort Um, for the ultra rich and that the last 30 minutes is legitimately some of the most fun cinema i've seen all year it's just getting between that first like three minutes and the last 30 minutes there's 90 minutes of boring and i and it's it's that's the only thing we disagree with it's too much to forgive for me i can i couldn't get past it I was like a little schoolboy the whole time. Didn't find it boring at all. I'm like, okay, now it's Die Hard, sure. Like, it's, it's gone from, like, Jules Verne, oh. Jurassic Park, and now it's, like, um, Pacific Rim, and now it's Die Hard. And now it's just, Jay- like, Jason Satan carries this. The line delivery, the scripting in this movie is so bad. The line editing delivery is so bad, and it is just glorious. And I think... But honestly, like, uh, if it was twenty percent worse, it would be a better movie. Because no. at least it wouldn't be. 
Because at I least don't even know how that works. <laughs> because then at least it would be like interestingly bad instead of just like no kind of lazy see, adaptation. Like everything you're saying is true, but every every version of it, like taking something from another uh, film and doing it, is like the laziest version of that. There's no I, there's no like creative spark in any of it. So if it was like twenty percent <laughs> worse or at least twenty percent more excited about doing it, it would be a much better film. But it's not. It's that ninety minutes is just boring, and I was so disappointed. Because I love, as you well know, I love movies with giant animals attack. Yes. Like Jurassic Park, yes. Godzilla, King Kong, yeah. legitimately one of my favorite movies of all time. This should be this movie should be the easiest sale in the world for yeah. me. No, and I it's get just that. it's just not. See, and... I love I love like adventure into unknown Jules Verne kind of thing. So this is exactly for me. Even this doesn't I didn't even care. Do that. That's a problem. It does. Like, no, it does. It does exactly that. It does. No, it 20, doesn't. It does twenty thousand leagues under the sea? It literally does. He's in a sub going into like this place with giant animals. The that place no we've been seen before. The place we've been before with the stuff we've seen before. Well, now, they except more. Now, except there's now there's evil people drilling for. You I know. know. <laughs> like, like, it's like how did the base get down there? How did they even get this place yeah, that none no of, one's been through before? None of it. None of it makes. I mean. And I'm and I'm on board usually with with films that don't need to make a lick of sense for me to like them, um, <laughs> but this movie is like like again it's just the laziest the laziest most obvious versions of Even, like everything everything a, you're saying is true but it's just like the worst possible uh, version of all those great, things. There's a there's a great moment where the antagonist explains why he's pissed at, at Jason Statham. Don't you remember me? I am and. Even Jason Staten, when he's explained to it, can't hide his look of, uh huh. So like, what? <laughs> like, and what? and there's uh, we're not given any more context than are oh, you you remember when you put me in jail? And he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well that's why I'm pissed. Well, oh, and there's a whole the whole scenes, like, and there's a lot of really weird choices. But there's a great scene. There's a, a legitimately fun scene at the beginning where you write Jason Statham is an eco warrior. He's infiltrated the ship. And he kicks the living shit out of a bunch of guys, and like, but that scene has like no context, and it's it feels very tacked on to the rest of the film. It's like, oh, we need something to happen in the first thirty minutes. Let's have Jason Statham kick the shit out of a bunch of guys. Yeah, that, that's fine. Let's do that. Great. But yeah, and also like, he's now adopted the young girl from the first one, and their explanation about the mother not being there is like, oh, she's dead now. Yeah, like, she died. <laughs> like she she died on her way back to her home planet. I guess. <laughs> I, I <don't> know, like, <laughs> Like clearly, got... like that, like that actor, like um, uh, I can't remember her name now off the top of my head, but she had some like troubles right around the same time. Oh, Lee Bing being, Bing, yeah, yeah being yeah. shot, and they're just like, oh, she's just not here. She's just yes. not here. She <laughs> she's died dead. now. She's dead now. And like, there's have... one there, and there's one legitimately great joke which comes before the last thirty minutes, which is there's a character called DJ, um, who is uh the black one from the first movie. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Uh, He's written and, like, that way too. and he has this backpack full of survival gear and like he has all the things that you would ever need to survive any particular situation and someone at one point asks him like why do you have this bag and his answer is basically i lived through the first movie and like yeah. that's legitimately <laughs> great don't get me wrong yeah. but like these are these moments these moments are so few and far between in that like yeah. and again don't get me wrong the last 30 minutes of this movie are a blast um mm. but it is not enough for me to like to like it it's 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 i'm so disappointed by this movie because i legitimately <laughs> love the first one 
I have rewatched the first movie a number of times. I own it. It is yeah. a fun as hell movie um, that knows it, that knows exactly what it is and leans into all the things that it is. And I feel like this movie doesn't doesn't do that. Like it, it, it if, if it knows what it is, it doesn't lean in enough, or it just doesn't know exactly what it wants to be. Like it's it's one of those two things, and I can't put my finger on exactly. What oh, it's schizophrenic. No, it's schizophrenic as fuck. It's it's yeah. It, it just it does from so many different movies. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't know what it is or what it wants to be, and as a result, the whole thing suffers. And again, there's a solid ninety minute stretch of where like I I was so bored. So bored. And then the last thirty minutes happens and it's great and it's just not enough to rescue it for me at all. So <laughs> there it is. Oh man. I'm I mean I'm not shocked at all that we, we feel exactly as we feel about this movie because this is this is made for me like completely ridiculous throwaway mishmash uh that is adventuring and then die hard and then triple x with sharks on a beach like the sign yeah, up this... and jason's jason Staten like ties all this together, glues it all together and i love cliff curtis as well i think he's brilliant and uh and it's just i loved it i loved it more than the first one i mean that, that i also here. think i also think that wujing is generally pretty great in this film i don't know he's not a guy who's really broken out in uh in north american cinema but he's a huge deal in asia and i think mm -hmm. he's very charismatic and especially in the last again that last 30 minutes where they call him to be like the one of the charismatic actiony guys he does an amazing yeah. an amazing job um mm -hmm. but again <laughs> i just can't get over how fucking bored i was and again this movie should be made for me like it's 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 exactly my kind of shit. It just does not work. And I'm swearing a lot because it makes me angry thinking about it. How much I... Uh -huh. uh, so yeah, so how, let, let's, let's go to our star rating then. <laughs> there might be slight difference here. So my star rating is uh, Ridiculous. Loved it more than the first four stars. <laughs> what are you going with? <laughs> two. I'll give it two. I'll give it two. One for the <laughs> for the very first scene of the movie, I'll give it one, and for the last thirty minutes, I'll give it. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's not, really um, it's really interesting how we're both fundamentally saying the same thing. I don't agree that it's boring, but that's a subjective thing. We're we're fundamentally saying the same thing about the movie. It's just that all the pieces fit for me, and they really didn't for you. And I think that that's going to be, dear listeners, your reaction to you should definitely try and watch this movie because I think it's either you're either going to love it, even though it's really stupid and scientifically suspect in many, many places, or it's just not going to work for you at all. But again, to put that in perspective, <laughs> I, there's Are lots of support? there's lots of movies like that that I like a, a very close example of that is there's a film that came out in. I'm going to look it up. Um, it's called Skyfire. It's 2021. I watched oh. it at Victoria Film Festival, 2021. Yeah, there's a sequel to that. It's meant to be good. Uh, so Skyfire is a film where a very rich person, played by Jason Isaacs, it's, it's, it's a Chinese-made movie, but a very rich person called Jason Isaacs builds a resort, a luxury resort for the uber-rich, over the top of an active volcano, and then the volcano erupts. And that's the well, whole that's... fucking movie. That's the whole movie. Shock. And uh, and my if you go back on the site and find my review of it, my the headline is literally "Skyfire doesn't make a lick of sense, but it's still really fun." <laughs> like so, this kind of movie 
should work for me. Like I am the target audience and it's, it's legitimately upsetting. I'm legitimately upset about how much I did connect with this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. You didn't love it as much as I did. I, 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 that, that love for when a movie lands, it's a good feeling and it's equally frustrating when it doesn't. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> this <movie's> bad. <laughs> I'm buying it. <laughs> I'm so buying that. <laughs> well, here, here's the kicker, actually. So we, we didn't go to the cinema to watch this, and I didn't get a screener. And my choices were, um, oh, no. my choices oh, were so to sorry. rent it, rent it for twenty five, or buy it for thirty dollars. And you know that I bought it for thirty. So I own this movie, sorry. and <laughs> I'm sure I'm a hundred percent sure I will watch it again uh, at some point because I I'm, love it. I'm, I bet you fall in love with I'm movie. all about I'll revisit stuff just to make sure like it's fine I don't you know I I just have cats I don't have kids I'm not I have lots of free time mm. and uh, I watch bad movies all the time and this will certainly be one of them but I will I I can pretty much guarantee that halfway through the next time I watch this one I'm gonna be like why am I just what not watching the first one like the first one is great so just let me tell you when when shout factory does their 4k like steel tin release of this. I'm all over it. <laughs> yeah, it's either going to be Shout Factory or Arrow Video. One of the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, let's move on to our second movie. Uh, why don't you give us a rundown of this movie? <laughs> okay, uh, so our second <laughs> film uh, recently played. It, it debuted at the Venice Film Festival uh, in Venice, uh, Italy. What? I know, right? Venice not Venice, not in Venice, not Venice, California, but Venice, Italy. That's right. Uh huh. Um, and actually, it was nominated for the Golden Lion, but did not win. And it did win the uh, uh, what's it called the Best Screenplay Award at Venice, the Golden Ozella, I believe, is what's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, this film is called El Conde, and it is the story of Pinochet. Basically, Augusto Pinochet, who is very famously the dictator who seized control of Chile in the 70s and ruled for decades, I believe, until he eventually died under house arrest. I think not that long ago, like 2015, 2005, I don't know, something fairly recently. Um, But this movie reimagines him as a 300-year-old vampire um, who was born during the French Revolution and got a taste for oppression and went to South America and oppressed the nation. And um, that's that's it. That's the whole setup. Uh, there's not really that much more to it. Um, it's shot in a very sumptuous black and white uh, by cinematographer Edward Lachman. Um it's written and directed. It's written directed by Pablo Lorraine, who you probably are aware of from films like Jackie. That's probably his most famous one in English. Um, and written by Lorraine and a guy called Guillermo Calderon. Um, it's actually, I think, super sharply written, and it's again gorgeous to look at. Uh, it's in- incredibly well performed at certain points, and I did not vibe with it at all. <laughs> And it's going to be impossible to talk about exactly why without spoiling it. So we're going to talk for a few minutes without spoilers. Then we'll probably do a mm. short section where we do talk about some spoilers. Um, so, but, but basically, 
I think for one, uh, for one, I think it's a sort of a failure of of the pitch for me because it's it's pitched as this like um, I'm using the word pitch too much, but it's 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 sold as this like pitch dark satire that's very funny, um, and it and also just and also just brutal both in the way the characters behave and in its satire, and very generously it is one of those four things. Mm. Right, it, in that it is very brutal. Um, and, like, there's a lot of really like, there's a lot of really brutal violence in this. Like, very, and not just like over the top brutal, but really mundanely brutal in a way that I think some people might not react that well to. But I, it was kind of re- one of those times where, like, you know, there's a 300 year old vampire flying around Santiago killing people, and it's not like big splatters of blood. It's like very matter of fact. Oh, that person is being eaten now. And mm. that part of it, I actually really liked. And I think that the main actor, especially, uh, who is a guy called Jamie Vadell, who plays Pinochet, I think is legitimately great. And I think he's also like in his 80s or maybe even his early 90s. Mm. Um, yeah, he's, he's 87 years old. He is legitimately great as Augusto Pinochet. But this movie is uh, 110 minutes and it is very, very slow. Like the the pitch is sort of for this like fast paced, funny movie, and it does have a few moments of laugh out loud funny, but they're again, as with the last film, very few and far between. And I, I it just doesn't. It's very much a vibes movie. Will be the way to say this, and I did not vibe with it at all. I, I don't know. Like it just, it did not work for me. And I think we talked about this a little bit before the show, and I think you'll probably expand on it. But I think part of the problem is that despite being a satire, the movie still kind of places, of all people, Pinochet in a place where I'm meant to have sympathy for him. And fuck that. <laughs> I just, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't really work. Um, it, I wouldn't go, like, it's interesting because you can definitely tell that they're trying not to make him sympathetic, but he ends up, they end up making him sympathetic. I don't know what else to tell you. It just it just happens. And so, despite all the stuff that works in its favor, it does not. I was just unable to vibe with it. And I think if you are able to vibe with it, I think it might be really great. I, I would love that for you, dear listener. But it, I did not vibe with it at all. I don't know, Simon. Feel free to expand or disagree with me on any particular. Uh, I'm just letting you go. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Like it's it's difficult to say. I just want to blow into the microphone let's start stylistically there's a lot like to like here like technically so i thought it was really interesting how it's a uh, it's a very uh clever mix of different storytelling devices so you've got the the black and white sort of german industrialist kind of framing and mostly black and white filmmaking you've got and the gore as well is very sort of classic nosferatu uh mm-hmm. some great practical effects it's extremely graphic um so that that's going to turn some people off not in a horror movie i think you you hit the nail exactly on the head it's a straightforward mundane graphic quality that it doesn't it's unflinching and it's kind of hard to watch it doesn't have any of that sexiness that um we talked about in the voyage of the demeter last week um so you've got some really interesting filmmaking as well some some uh 
clear Wes Anderson uh, influence in the the flat framing and the movement across screen as well. You've mm-hmm. got the the script really reminded me of classic um, Lorca, like Blood Wedding, uh, in the interactions, although a bit bit funnier. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. I really liked the idiosyncratic, uh, old fashioned look mixed with it's set most of it is set in modern day. So you've got like uh, there's one point where they're preparing a feast. And these bottles of soda pop up to remind you that they're actually in modern day. So you've got a lot of idiosyncratic qualities here to show that like, time is meaningless to these people. So it's also meaningless to this film as well. So stylistically, I thought it was really interesting. However, fuck Pinochet and fuck anyone who wants to even attempt to make him a sympathetic character, even in a what is a dark satire like maybe if you if you know anything about what Pinochet did he the Pinochet was as close to an actual monster that any human has ever been and uh he's not alone in that club uh, but he, he there there is not uh, I'll I'll disengage my reality for many many things uh but uh having being being asked to have sympathy for Pinochet is a stretch too far for me, even in this kind of movie. And it really tainted how I felt about this film because I did enjoy the performances. I did enjoy the dynamic of the the kids coming back and trying to weed out the money and the, the nun playing, like manipulating them all as well. And uh, what her end game is. And there was, I really enjoyed the French new wave references and her design as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I liked being someone who studied film, I like seeing all the film study elements. It was it was really interesting, but it, I, every moment I was separated from my my enjoyment of that by uh, being presented a version of Pinochet where not e- not everything was his fault, and and then we'll talk about this later. It expands further in that direction and really hit the nail. If you pardon the the vampire pun, it hit the the last nail in that coffin for me uh, when it was asking me to accept the end of this story uh, with certain characters. And uh, I thought the end was a bit confused as well. Its resolution was quite confused with all the ensemble coming together, but uh, visually, technically super interesting to watch. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I do think I will say that the, you know, it is intended to be satire, and I think it does, to a certain extent, work. But it doesn't have, to pardon the vampire pun, it doesn't have the teeth it needs in order to really make... In order to really work in the way it needs to, right? Like, they're not... I don't think they're actively trying to make Pinochet sympathetic, but they end up making him sympathetic because they don't have the yes. teeth. They don't have... The, the film doesn't have the bite to make him... The, yeah, you know, no, an, an evil protagonist, fair. right? Like... Yeah, and I think we're probably going to disagree because there's another character that's introduced late in the film that I th- that to me they they didn't do that with. Um, but it's hard to talk about spoilers, but like it's still not really accepted. <laughs> like there's there's one really funny gag in this movie, uh, and it also leads to a, to 
all of the problems with the movie as well in the third act. And I, it's, it's difficult to talk about without spoiling it. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe we shouldn't, but it's, it's, I do think this is a movie you should maybe see for yourself. Like it's definitely, there's definitely things here that are worth seeing and it's going to be on Netflix. So chances are most of you have Netflix and we'll have a chance to see it. Um, but it, I didn't, again, I didn't vibe with it at all. Mm. I mean, I'm probably going to end up giving it spoiler alert. I'm going to give it two stars, mostly based on the technical aspects. Yeah, and there is there is one generally genuinely amazing scene uh, when one character is made into a vampire and like ex- and goes through that experience of being a vampire for the first time. One of the most beautiful things I've seen all year is that yeah. sequence. Absolutely. Just, just absolutely stunning. Um, but that's that's all I got. <laughs> it's just all I got. I mean, it's it too, is. It it's, is it's, it's, it's too long. It's too long. It's too slow, and it does not have the. It doesn't have the bite it needs to be. It's not a biting satire. It's 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 a it's a it's a it's afraid. It's not. It doesn't go far enough in any of its any other aspect. Um, and as a result, it's more than a little bit disappointing. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it, it I don't makes f- it makes it, it makes a decision in uh, in incorporating the elements of Pinochet's life. It it pulls back from pointing the finger at him, and I, I'm like it's well documented. It's really, really well documented what that man did to that country and the people. And I I, I just think there's no. There's no version of that I can watch where I can watch the character presented as Pinochet and go, oh yeah, maybe he wasn't like entirely to blame. Like, no. And the frustrating thing too is that you can definitely see the point they're trying to make about evil persisting in the world. Yeah. And about totally. how and how it persists because we let it persist. You mm-hmm. know? Um, and it does, it's interesting because in that it does, it does outright point the finger at him and then sort of doesn't at the same time it's mm-hmm. like some things it points the finger and so, and sort of just goes well he's a vampire and that's sort of it and other times mm. it's like you know it's just i don't know i'm having a hard time articulating this i don't i don't really want to do a, a spoilery section to talk about it because i don't i don't really i do legitimately think there's one thing in the third act that i legitimately think is kind of a genius gag and you can sort of see it coming if you're paying attention. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that the beginnings of it are very well executed. Mm-hmm. And I think the resolution of it, again, if the film, if the film had gone a little further with the rest of its themes, with the, with the, with the preceding 100 minutes, if the film had gone, gone a little bit further and taken a few more chances, I think the ending would have been very impactful. And yeah, I, I, and, I, and I, I disagree at all. Actually. And I, and I don't, but it just didn't, so it doesn't. It's, it's, mm. That's where I'm at. I don't. I don't think I need a spoilery section to talk about that. I don't. I. I don't <sighs> necessarily want. Like, if you really want, if you really want to do one, let's just work it out right now. But like, I don't. I don't think I need to explain much more than what I'm saying. I don't think. I don't think adding spoilers to the mix is really okay. Other All than right. like, there's part of the gag revolves around a person <sighs> who legitimately makes most people in the in the Western world angry. <laughs> 
and, and and me specifically. Yeah, and anyone with person. anyone with an accent like Simon's specifically mm. would be very angry. Well, of of my age, yeah. Uh, who uh, the, there's one person from Pinochet's life who is also featured in this movie, and is also given um, a, some a, some kind of sympathetic or at least non miserable ending. And fuck that, like fuck that to the moon and back. And when yeah, you and watch again, this movie, and again, you will understand completely. And again, that ending, if the film had just gone a little bit further with its commentary and satire, the ending would be very impactful and very appropriate. And it just doesn't... I, It doesn't go so far as to make the person we're talking about sympathetic, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. But it also doesn't go far enough in making them unsympathetic to make the ending work the way I think it needs to. And what's what's really interesting is that Pablo Lorraine and Guillermo Calderon both they're both Chilean, so um, it's not yeah. like this is some it's not like this is some kind of outsider perspective, right? It's, I know uh, that's difficult. It's really difficult. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like you've got to trust that they know their history. So what are they saying here? But I, it's just too. I like I mean, to be challenged, but there's there's things I would, that I I can't do. I would legitimately like to. Speak I don't think I have any friends who are Chilean, but I would love to speak to someone, especially someone maybe of our age or older, um, who lived through Pinochet's rule. I would love to talk to someone like like that for about this movie. I would love to see what their perspective, because maybe yeah. we're just missing, maybe there's a cultural context that we just can't understand being, uh, you know, middle-aged white dudes from Canada and Britain. Maybe we just can't understand parts of it but at the same time some of this shit is pretty is some of it's most of it's universal enough that i understand enough and even again even just on a surface level it's 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 too long with nothing happening like it's a very and i'm fine with movies that are pretty light on plot but like nothing happens in this movie and it's not funny enough or interesting enough to to make that work so it's a very frustrating movie because it's so so it's like good adjacent it's so close to being great like it's not, yeah, really, if it wasn't yeah. if it wasn't as disappointing as it is it would be legitimately great like the yeah. difference between like there's no three star rating in this movie it was either gonna it's a two star movie and with like a slight nudge it would be a four star movie but it doesn't have that nudge so it's a two star movie and I find it really frustrating yeah <clears throat> yeah I, I was really into it until I realized what it was doing and it just I just the disgust I felt, and then that is when when something else happened. I was already going down the line of no, I can't see Pinochet in this way. I I refuse to accept Pinochet in this way. And then something else happened, and then the ending happened. I'm like, no, just no. That they the the these people do not deserve this. They deserve yeah. other things that many people would wish on them, but not this. And I, you're right. I think the film is a little misdirected in, in how it approaches the horror, the true horror of these people's lives, which should be translated into a movie that's an allegory of evil persisting, and it kind of pulls back from that, <laughs> which is the weird thing. I, and again, I would, it's just, this is just semantics, but I would argue, it's not that it pulls back, it's just that it never goes far enough. Like, it's never intending to go far enough. Well, I mean... Sure, but, and that's the same thing from different directions, isn't it? Yeah, it's, again, just I'm I'm arguing semantics here, but it's uh, mm-hmm. 
as a result, it's a little disappointing. Although I do look forward to watching that one scene on YouTube roughly a bazillion times because it there that the one scene where the one character becomes a vampire for the first time is yeah. legitimately gorgeous, like legitimately yes. an amazing yeah, piece yeah. of film work, and I imagine will be the scene it's that we stunning. all like remember and talk about. Um, and it's very French New Wave. So if you're into like the, the Trufon stuff, uh, and she's got a Jane Birkin haircut, and and it's it's just beautiful. It's stunning. If you have Netflix, maybe just skip to that bit. It's got mm-hmm. like you can avoid the gore for the most part, and it's really lovely. I mean, and to be clear, like I do think I think some of I think some of you will probably like this. I'm a hundred percent on team. See it for yourself, and mm-hmm. I I hope you disagree with me slash us um but i mm-hmm. i'm not going to recommend you watch it but like i think i think some of you will like it what can i say um mm-hmm. but for me it just was a little disappointing or a lot disappointing mm-hmm. depending on how i'm feeling moment to moment so two stars for me two stars for you two stars for me techno for the technical aspects which yeah. are, are really good yeah yeah, and again, for like for me, it's basically one star for the technical stuff and one star for the few for the few things that do legitimately work. Um, those mm-hmm. things are great. The things that work really, really, really work, and the stuff that mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, well, okay. I think that's that's it for the yeah, show. Yeah, can't really say then, much more. Yeah. yeah, I can't really say much more without going into spoilers, and and I don't, I don't think we need to. Um, so let's cut it there. That's two movies, uh, that I, I thought were bad and one that Simon loved and one he didn't love. So there you go. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we were very glad you're here, whether you're a new listener or an old listener. Um, but if you'd like to, if you like what you've heard, please, uh, you know, recommend us to your friends, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player of choice. Uh, give us a five star review for this episode or for the show. Those are the things that get us out in front of more earballs and help us immensely. And once again, if you'd like to help more directly, we do have a Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash MC Simpson. And we do have bonus chats basically every week for, and again, it's, uh, it's two bucks Canadian a month. It's not, uh, I don't think bargain. it's a big ask. It's a, it's a bargain to hear our lovely voices. Um, we, you can find us on the socials, uh, there's too many to list now, so we'll post links in the show notes to my homepage, with which is stretched.ca, and to Simon's homepage, which is temporarypen.com. Um, and do visit the homepage for this episode um, uh, at awesomefriday.ca. There are going to be uh, Just Watch powered streaming links, which are another thing that if you go to our website and click the link to, to watch it, that also helps us keep the lights on. So please feel free to do that. Uh, last but not least, we, we record this here in Vancouver on the unceded and ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations. Um, and that is the whole show. So thank you so much for listening and for joining us on this awesome Friday. Thank you. Bye.